0: I'm Abby Hornacek. This is Tucker Carlson. And I'm Jessica Tarlov. This is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. I'm Simon Owen. From the southern U.S. border to the Middle East and all the billionaires in between, a conversation with the head of the World Food Programme on hunger in the pandemic.
1: When they don't have peace and they don't have food, they can't feed the children. They go do what any of us would do for our family. You go pack up and go
0: find it somewhere. This is the Fox News rundown evening edition. <music> the chief of the UN's food agency was at a hospital in Yemen when he tried to make a child smile. Her
1: little feet were sticking out the blanket and, uh, and I tickled the feet and it was like
0: tickling a ghost. And there was no reaction at all. Six months after his organisation won the Nobel Peace Prize, David Beasley, the executive director of the World Food Programme, is just back from his latest trip to Yemen. A former Republican governor of South Carolina, he spoke to us about hunger around the world in the pandemic. From Yemen, a country in chaos after six years of war, to Latin America and the food insecurities in that region... Which he says are contributing to pressures at the United States southern border. But we started with Yemen, where Beasley describes seeing children wasting away from malnutrition.
1: Oh, Simon, it's literally the worst humanitarian crisis on the planet. It is just horrific. You got a nation of about 30 million people and 16 million are literally marching to the brink of starvation. We feed about 13 million and quite frankly, we're running out of funds. We don't have the fuel we need to reach, to achieve our goals and objectives. And we now have famine
0: knocking on the door inside Yemen as we speak. Give us a definition of what you mean by famine because this is more than just going to bed hungry sometimes.
1: Well, you're right, and in fact, out of the 29 million people, 16 million people are literally in what we call IPC level three four. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means they are in emergency and crisis mode. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. When you get to the technical term famine, it, it's really a technicality. Of how many children and people are dying per certain population? But by the time you reach famine, the technical definition, well, the deaths are already occurring, and they are occurring now because we do have famine-like conditions. Meaning people are dying at numbers that are not the norm because of malnutrition, starvation, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I was on the ground there uh, just a matter of days ago, and I – I can't tell you how bad it really is. It's heartbreaking. You know, when you walk into a children's hospital, for example, or in this case, I was in a hospital in Sanaa, and it's the best hospital in all of Yemen. And so let's just start with that. And I'm walking in the children's ward. And, you know, if you walk into a children's ward in a the hospital, there's going to be laughter and screaming and crying all these things in a children's ward. It was like walking in a morgue. It was just death silent and just piercing the soul. I, I talked to a mother and she was getting she was the, the rare exception that her she and her child actually got admitted. And uh, her child, by the way, uh, little uh, two-year-old girl died the next morning from nothing but malnutrition. Uh, period. Now, so I talked to the doctor. I said, how many beds do you have? She said, I have 25 for children. I said, well, do you have more than that coming in per day? She said, oh, yes. I said, well, what do you do with the, the, those families, those children? She said, we send them home. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, they go home to die. You, you just can't believe this is happening in the 21st century. It's like, come on, this has got to be some horror movie uh, you, you're, you're
0: hearing about. But it's reality on the ground. Is hunger always this severe in, in a war zone, or is Yemen a particularly grave situation?
1: I think uh, Yemen is a particularly grave situation. Hunger is always a problem in a war zone. But, you know, uh, even in World War II, Uh, The world was able to feed most of the population and you very and you had a few pockets inside some strict war zones. But generally, the world was okay. But in Yemen, it's just exacerbated uh, beyond your farthest imagination. It was already the poorest, one of the poorest, if not the poorest country on Earth. Ninety five percent of their food, 90 to 95 percent of their food comes from the outside. So that really extenuates an already fragile uh, economic and political environment. Then comes six years of war where people have sold everything they have to be able to feed their families. And now they're down to nothing. And when you have blockades and restricted movement on ships and cargo coming in, that bring in food, cooking oils and things like that. It just makes it a, uh, I mean, hell on earth. It literally is hell on earth. Not that Syria uh, is not, is in a good shape. Syria is struggling big time, but uh it's not nearly as bad as Yemen, and, and that's saying something because Syria is pretty bad in itself. All these war zones run into trouble: South Sudan and Northeast Nigeria. But Yemen is uh, is the true hell on earth, if you could just describe it in some uh, reality. I think that's it.
0: And is this kind of being doubly? Is Yemen being doubly pressured by the pandemic in the sense that you have the the crisis itself, the pandemic itself? But also, that is squeezing now the finances of the rich Western governments that presumably you rely on.
1: Yeah, this is this is the problem. You know, inside Yemen, I COVID has had an impact, no question about that. Uh, I can't say it's any worse than anywhere else, per se. But what does make it worse is the simple fact: the economic ripple effect of COVID globally. And let me just put these simple numbers out to you. Pre-COVID there were 135 million people on earth that were marching towards starvation. That would be IPC level three, four crisis, emergency mode. Uh, That's not good. And that number is almost doubled because of man-made conflict from two, from 2000, about 15 to 2020. Now that was pre COVID 135 million people driven primarily by conflict. The number since COVID has gone from 135 million To 270 million people literally on earth not knowing where their next meal is coming from. And that has been driven
0: because of a COVID economic ripple effect and supply chain disruption. But are you expecting a squeeze in terms of donations from governments, given what they're going through, even in the richest countries in in the world?
1: Well, we 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 are in kind of a double whammy. You got the double needs now economic impact on the countries that normally give us you know, X amount of dollars. And so like countries like Germany and the uh, Nordic countries are stepping up, giving more United States, giving more Then you get an economy like the like uh, in in the UK, they're struggling. And this is one of the frank and practical conversations I had with the leadership there is that, look, you've got to prioritize. Uh, You've got to prioritize famine and destabilization and mass migration. If you do that, you'll get through it. Uh, But their economy has been hit so hard, you've been seeing some of that debate uh, that they're struggling. The amount of monies that we've received so far from the UK is about half of what we normally get. Um, Fortunately, though, other countries have been stepping up, but not doubling up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and when you think there's four hundred trillion dollars of wealth on Earth a day and children are dying from starvation, it's heartbreaking. I think it was Forbes magazine that had a story day before yesterday, in the last few days anyway, that said there were four hundred and ninety three new billionaires created, created. In 2020, during the height of COVID, that's a new billionaire every 17 hours. And I've got children dying every seven to 10 seconds. So something's wrong here. I definitely support and believe in capitalistic principles, but we have got to do more that the wealthy can channel some of their their support, particularly in times when governments are stretched. And so this is why I've been calling on the world's billionaires and the world's trillionaire, those who have hundreds of billions of dollars. All I need, Simon, this is what's so shocking to avert famine. There's four hundred trillion dollars worth of wealth and we got billionaires. They make that. I think I looked at the number the other day. They were making something like four to five million dollars of net worth increase per day, per day. In 2020, I'm just asking for one day's worth of your net worth increase to save lives around the world and stabilize nations and prevent mass migration. Is that too much to ask? Well,
0: that that that's
1: what you're asking. What are they saying in response? Some are beginning to respond. I just had a fellow in fact named Tim Collins, who lives in the United States and the UK, who just stepped up with a couple hundred million dollars and hopefully more are going to do so. But so far, I mean, the last few months in the United States, you couldn't get a message out. Why? Because it was Trump, Trump, Trump and elections and all the dispute and COVID, COVID. So I'm hopeful as things are starting to level out a little bit in the news media, that we can get our message out that there's starvation taking place. And the American people, when they historically, when they know there's a crisis, they have historically stepped up.
0: You've been listening to the World Food Program's Executive Director, David Beasley. We'll be right back. Um, I know you have travel planned to Latin America. Can you talk a bit about that and tell us a bit about what the goals are and, and the purpose of making that, those particular trips?
1: Well, I'm heading to Latin America as we speak to Haiti, Guatemala, Honduras, and uh, and possibly even Venezuela on this trip because the dry corridor. And you know, a lot of people have been paying attention to this politically because they've been watching the refugees or people head to the the migrants heading toward the United States border. And I believe uh, with the right approach, you can eliminate migration by necessity. Because when you feed a hundred and something million people like we do, Simon, we survey people all the time. And I haven't, I haven't found a beneficiary or recipient that says, Oh, thank you. I want to live on your food the rest of my life. I mean, I'm out there in the field every, every day, every week. And the beneficiaries want to be self sufficient. They don't want to be reliant upon outside support. But when they leave home, uh, you know, they don't do it willy-nilly. They don't do it so just easily. They have already normally moved two or three times inside their own sort of area and then when they don't have peace and they don't have food, they can't feed the children, they go do what any of us would do for our family. You go pack up and go find it somewhere. And so, if we can provide stability and food security because we know for every 1% increase in hunger, there's a 2% increase in migration. So, We, in my opinion, can eliminate migration by necessity if we reach and address the root cause. If we do that, then you're left with the issue of migration by choice. And those numbers are
0: really small. And that's a much more politically viable, pleasant uh, debate. And so do you think then that fixing this very fundamental issue that you deal with, i.e. food, could be, central to unlocking the the challenges that have been presented at the border in in recent weeks and months and years?
1: Yeah, I I do. In Latin America, I don't think food is the only answer, but I do think it mitigates against a substantial amount of that migration. And if we can at least address the food issue, at least then you've contained it uh, down to a lesser number. And then as you do that, Then get into some of the more complex economic issues, of course, the drug issues and the smuggling issues that take place. That's not my portfolio, but I can assure you, and I've seen this, I've had more families, mothers tell me my husband did not want to join Iceland or Boko Haram or the drug cartel but we didn't have any food for our little girl for two weeks. What were we supposed to do? And so when we come in, it gives the family an option not to be forced to join some difficult organization, terrorist organization because you can't feed your family. And at least if we can eliminate that, wow, that saves millions of children. And then it saves taxpayers billions of dollars uh, as a, as a result.
0: Um, I'd like to end on a more positive note, um, if, if we made away from the problems or perhaps part of the problems. But you won the Nobel, your, your organization won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, a few months ago. What kind of an experience was that and how much of a surprise was it?
1: That, that was quite an experience. You don't get that phone call every day. You don't get it once a lifetime. And so I was in the middle of Niger, and, uh and somebody come busting into the room. Nobel Peace Prize, Nobel Peace Prize. And I was like, what the heck? What are you doing? You know? And I'm like, okay, yeah, who won it? And they said, well, you did. The World Food Program did. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It was such a surprise. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. It was uh, incredible. And I think the Nobel Peace Prize Committee was sending two very, very clear messages. One was, thank you, World Food Program, for your women and men who put their lives at risk every day. And I think the number two message was your hardest work is coming ahead because of COVID.
0: Uh, David, Governor Beasley, thank you very much for speaking to us.
1: Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com.